Welcome to Design By Us, the show where two humans discuss how humans design the world. Uh, my name is Ravi Chohan, and today, just like always, I'm joined by... Luigi Dintrano on the other side of the screen. Yeah, I don't know if you're on the other side of the screen or the other side of the uh, channel or the other side of the uh, European border. European. The, 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 uh, Sheng- uh, the, yeah, the Schengen yeah. area, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on the other side of that. Anyway, how are you doing today? Very good. Mm-hmm. I had a very interesting and, and nice day. The, the weather is fantastic where I am. And it's just nice to go on walks. I have realized that going on walks in the morning makes me super productive and, and, and just like the whole day just flows much better. But I have the problem that I get sucked in in whatever I'm working in. Could I just ask you why you're wearing a t-shirt of the worst DC hero, Green Lantern? Look, listen, so I have, I've realized the other day that this t-shirt is about eight years old. Mm-hmm. I use it because yeah. I like it. Well, if there's any Green Lantern fans listening right now, they won't be very happy that you, you wear the shirt out of convenience and not some sort of love for for yeah. the most boring superhero on earth. Yeah, I yeah, I don't really have a love for, for Green Fair Lantern. Enough. But you've got a love for the Green Lantern t-shirts. Anyway, yeah. um, let, let's crack on. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about... Uh, lessons from designers now we're not we're not approaching this from a position of luigi and ravi are experienced designers and you should listen to everything we say but what we want to share with you are six perspectives or tips about how we approach design and maybe you'll learn something as well i know that i'm certainly hoping to learn something from luigi uh luigi probably won't learn too much uh, from myself but that withstanding uh i think it's really key just to make that point what do you think luigi yeah i, I think I, I will learn a, a lot more than you think from you um, I think it's important to mention too that as designers, we are both in a journey and maybe this is the very, very early beginning of the journey and, and a lot of our listeners are in the same stage as us. I think it's just important to share how we have solved our struggles or some of our struggles and hopefully try to help those people who are in the same stage as us. Are you saying that Michael Beirut doesn't listen to this show? No, no, he does. He does. He, oh, he does. messaged okay, me yeah. the other day. Yeah. You messaged oh, me good. the other day and saying, uh, suggesting to make this episode because you wanted some tips from us. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and Johnny Ive um, yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll let them know when it's out so they can at least do a retweet or something. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Episode four about Michael Beirut, by the way, if anyone wants to go and listen to that show, it's uh, it's one of our best, although we say that about every single show. Anyway, um, that's enough of the introduction uh, and all that kind of stuff. Luigi, would you like to impart us with some of your knowledge, your wisdom, uh, uh, with, with the first lesson um, that you'd like to share with yeah, us? Yeah, I, I, will, I will start. So my first one is regarding scheduling and structure of work. It's not about the design, but it's more about how you make it. So when it goes with scheduling, it's very, very tough to get those juices of creativity flowing in your brain, or at least it's for me, uh, when you're working massively under pressure and you, have to, you don't really have uh, enough time to finish your work. So I think it's very important to, when you're working in a creative role or in a creative industry or with a creative team, that you need to make sure you give enough time for your ideas to breathe and, and to expose them to the world and get feedback from the world and just keep in mind that that feedback and that learning cycle takes time. And when, what I mean by that is that when you design, you need to have certain connection with the world. You learn from them because when you design in isolation is when 
not many great things happen. So could I ask you could I ask you a question then, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you mean make sure that you've got adequate time to design, do you mean that say for example I've got to make a a flyer or a poster or something like this, you know, just yeah. basic design. Are you saying make sure that you've left a, an extra spare couple of hours or are you saying make sure that you've got maybe some more thinking time like a few extra days where you can just start it for like 30 minutes and just let the ideas mull over in your head or what, what do you mean specifically by that? So though I, I can give you an example on the way I do it. I, most of the time what I do is make a draft, which is what I'm doing now. I'm working on, on, on a similar project is kind of doing like a booklet for a few case studies. And pretty much what I have to do is put a few images together and a few, a couple of texts and just like select what is important and what not. That just seems pretty simple, but it's actually not when you want to convey one message. So the way I do it is I create a, create a draft and I let my brain just process the idea on what I actually want to convey and get those ideas aligned while I work on something else. I don't have to work on the same thing. Right. So you're talking about making sure you've got a spare couple of days. Not just It's not just like making sure you've got more time to sit down and do the yeah. task. It's maybe starting it way more in advance than you need to. So you've got more thinking time and, and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly right. that. And then the, the reason why I do that is because I think more creativity is not, it's not relative to time. It's, it's just not how it works. So... The more time you, you spend on a, on a task doesn't mean that the task is going to get better. Um, in theory, yes, but most of the time it's not like that. There are days that in, in 30 minutes you can do what it takes you a whole day in, in some other time. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think it does. I think what's really frustrating as well for people that maybe if you are a designer or, or creative in general and you're working with people who are not, they often expect like a linear relationship between time input mm-hmm. and output when really that relationship doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And like you just said, like yeah. you can spend 30 minutes and create something inspired that's amazing and spend three hours and, and, and get nothing at the end of it. So it's it's very um, very frustrating, I think. Yeah. Now I'm thrilled to hear your, your first point. About, about time or just in general? Oh, sorry, from my list. Yeah, from your lessons. Yeah. Hmm. Could I just make a point about the time thing, though? Yeah. Uh, I agree. Cool. Um, so, um, uh, as in, as in, I agree with everything you said. I'm not being, not being thank glib. Let me pull up my list here. Okay. Um, so my first tip, I guess, is that if, if that's what we're calling these, if we are calling these tips, um, is to, I've written here, copy, steal, and take inspiration. Hmm. And one of the things that I've started doing is making sure that I'm collecting examples of stuff that I like um, to go back to them at random points. Um, so say for example, um, it's kind of like, I feel like there's a whole industry of expensive design books that you can buy, uh, and they are great. Um, I've got one of them, um, uh, which is called, uh, logo modernism, which is just, actually, I'll show it to you on the, uh, on the video. Uh, I'll quickly just go and grab it and we'll leave, we'll leave this in as behind the scenes stuff. Anyways, give me a minute. Okie dokie. So can you hear me? So now we're back. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So, so here, just, just get, let me say something here is if we had a Patreon, here's where we would say. If you, have, if you were a Patreon subscriber, you will get access to this behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely worth £5 a month. Um, anyway, so so basically, um, the first one that I look at sometimes is called Logo Modernism, which is massive. It's All like right. one of these coffee table books. Um, it's like twice your head, man. Yeah. Oh, I'd say three times. But I got this on Amazon. That was, it was pretty cheap. It was like 35 quid. Um, but when it came out, it was like 100 quid when it was first published. And it's got just pages 
and pages of different logos. Mm-hmm. Probably how I'm struggling with the weight of it over the uh, over the line, but it's just got pages and pages of logos. And and sometimes, no matter what you're doing, you know, even if it's not related to you know logo design or whatever, it's really helpful just to have a bit of inspiration, just to kind of you know stimulate yourself. Um, another one that I've got is Brand Identity Essentials uh, by Kevin mm-hmm. Boodleman and Yang Kim. Um, this is one of the first books that I've read when I was kind of saying I want to be interested in design. Um, not only has it got loads of really cool examples, uh, but it's also got yeah. a, a really interesting structure that you might want to follow. And uh, I found that very, very helpful kind of starting out and kind of helps you talk the talk, but figure it figure out. Because if you're the expert or you're supposed to be the expert in something and somebody says, I'd like you to do this project, you need to be able to scope the project, if you know what I mean. And you, need, you need to be able to, this is what you need. Uh, and that book is really helpful with that. Another book I've got is the uh, Logo Design Idea Book. Uh, I wouldn't recommend this one. There's not a lot of different you know, examples in there. Uh, but what they do have is some great words about each of the logos and kind of how they arrived at each decision, uh, which is really helpful. That's by Stephen Heller and uh, Gail Anderson. The next one is Michael Beirut, How To. We talked about this when we did the podcast, episode four. Make sure you listen to it. Yeah. Uh, and then the, I've got a couple ones that are non-tangential. And this is the real tip, right? Go to charity shops in affluent areas and go to their art and design section and you'll find stuff like this. So I've got the a book about the Opera House for Wales uh, and it's like talking about the different design things that they picked and, and why they did it. But the reason why I bought this book was just actually to see how they actually laid it out and take inspiration from the book itself, if that makes sense, and take inspiration from the mm-hmm. typography, the way they use the images and stuff like that. So you can find examples that are not just talking about design, but things that are well designed to kind of take inspiration mm-hmm. from. And I've got another one, I think, uh, about the... Um, Torre de Colser, oh Jesus, Telecommunications Tower, Barcelona, by Sir Norman Foster nice. and Partners. Um, so they're, they're kind of just cool, cool examples of cool things to look at. And I'd really recommend kind of building out a little library for yourself if you can. Uh, but also go online. Uh, if you're a web designer, uh, find websites that you really like or, um, or find lists. Um, people will collate lists of best e-commerce websites or fantastic you know this kind of luxury brand websites and things like that take a look at those when you are just going through your online life just take a look at them all uh, and just favorite the ones that you really like screenshot them save them somewhere and go back to them for inspiration when you need to uh, and also go to them back yeah. to them for like you know things like structure and, and things like that and also if you're trying to explain an idea to somebody if you've got an example of something that somebody's done before you can really it's really helpful just to say imagine this element of this with this element of this put together with everything else we've talked about and it really helps put your idea in the mind of somebody else so um that's my uh, that's my tip i, I think it's, it's great I, I unconsciously do a similar thing mostly with online mm-hmm. resources and my question to you would be how how do you keep track of them i don't when they are so online? this is it i think this is what's really important right um it depends right so we can talk about like um like notes and knowledge management and stuff like that that's something that's a whole area that I want to get into maybe at a different time but particularly with the books i don't make any effort to organize them or whatever it is uh, and i find it's actually more i wouldn't say fun but actually you know it's just interesting just to pick up a book that's maybe totally not related to the thing that you're doing right now and take inspiration from it a- anyway and i think there's something to be said for just kind of like a little bit of like let's call it unstructured inspiration yeah you know i have realized like i, I would say you're a very organized person i would say i am let's say more to like organized person and I've realized that it doesn't matter how organized you are, there is like a gap in your life, somewhere in your life, where you let yourself unconsciously or consciously to just be messy. Are you talking about me specifically? I, and I think and I think in your case, it's books. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, that's fair enough. Um, 
when I when I moved back here, um, I organized my bookshelf based on. I've got quite quite a lot of books, and um, unless you just try and organize them by size, you can't fit them all in. So um, it really is just totally spatial memory and, and nothing to do with you know authors or types or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What what part of your life? What what parts of your life do you let be unorganized or disorganized? Mm, I think when cooking. Oh, interesting. I don't really like to follow recipe, and some I or if I do, I just read how it's made and what it needs, and then I just make it based on what I read. No, but that's that's not really organization. Though. That's like you you be creative. Well, there are people that really follow recipes. If you need like like if you buy let's say uh, three hundred grams of chicken and you need two eighty. There are a lot of people that will use it too. Yeah, but that's nothing to do with organization. That's to, that's that's to do with being, you know, like headstrong or confident enough to, or arrogant enough to be like, you know what? I don't need this recipe that this chef has spent <laughs> ages making. I'll, I'll make my own. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say it comes from an arrogant. It, it might place do. It might mind, do. Luigi, you, you might just. It comes from no. It comes. It comes from a place that I enjoy what I'm doing, and I don't like to follow a a rule book every time. Mm-hmm. I do. Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, arrogance. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about we do your next tip sounds good so i have another one which is in relation to communication and you, and you mentioned it in your in your explanation when working with someone that is not related to the to either your team or maybe it's like a collaborator but he hasn't really worked in the creative industry i think it's very important that you just keep constant communication i think the more questions you ask to your collaborator your client your whatever you want to call it the better it's going to be for you or for, for the end result of the product. If you don't really ask questions and you don't collaborate with them, then the product is, not, is going to get nowhere. Think about it as if the, the client or collaborator is a, a cave and you are pretty much, every question you ask is just excaving, excaving, excaving. And, and once you get to maybe 30 questions or 40 questions about what the, the client actually wants, um, it's when you find that treasure or that hidden gold. At the end of yeah. the game. I don't really think clients, they know what they want. The role of the designer is figure out what's best for them based on what they need. Yeah. They know what they need, know what they want. If that no, sense. definitely, yeah. Um, what do you think? Do you have any experience with that? I do, I do actually. And I think what, what comes to mind initially for me is obviously communication in general is just really important in any kind of field or any kind of job or in any kind of relationship. But I think actually what's really important is communicating why you made the choices you made. I think people look to designers for taste, but they look, they want to make sure the meaning is there, if that makes sense. And um, to give an example, I I can't really talk about it too much right now, but you know, follow me on Twitter and stuff like that and it will come out eventually. Uh, But 7 billion ideas are are planning a a big rebrand. And this is an internal project that's been going on for a month or so. Uh, and it's more or less near completion. And when suggesting different directions and new identities and and that kind of thing, the thing that always struck me, I guess quite naively actually, was that people wanted to know why the choices were there, and not from like a, well, actually, you know, it, in general, it's best to do this. It's best to do this kind of spacing, so the thing looks great on a screen or you know, printed at a massive resolution or whatever. They actually mm-hmm. want to know what the meaning is behind the thing that it is and they want to make sure that meaning represents or reflects their well i say i say that it's not it's not like i'm freelancing our kind of goals our values uh, our objectives um and if you can effectively communicate that almost the design in a weird sense is almost immaterial 
as so long as it hits those meanings that people are looking for or maybe that you're looking for. So I think not just communicating in terms of like, you know, specking out a project or whatever, but communicating the meaning behind your work is is as important as presenting the work itself, mm-hmm. in, in in my opinion. And it was the first question. Basically, so it's a like I said, it's a rebrand, right? So it's a new logo first and foremost. And um, of all the people I've shown it to, literally one hundred percent, first question that people asked was, "Why is it the way it is?" It's really really interesting to kind of hear about that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did you manage? To, did you have a, a why behind it, or it was just? Because that's how I like it. Well, no, it's or... weird. It's so weird, you know that. Because with the, with this project, what I did initially was it was it seemed so obvious to me what the right answer was based on lots of different exploration and and loads of iteration. Uh, it seemed so obvious that this is obviously the right answer, and it was I was taken kind of aback when I was asked like, why is it that that way? And I realized that kind of after thinking about it, that there was a lot of hidden thinking that I did that realized the way it was if that makes sense and um Mm -hmm. it's never good to kind of explain something after and just try and find reasons for it so it's not like i think that's just kind of like you know it's inauthentic it's kind of fake just to make up reasons why after the fact that you've done it but actually a lot of thinking that happened very quickly had to then be remembered and then unpicked if that makes sense yeah it's like you as a designer when you are researching you you are pretty much creating a frame of reference around your like senses if that makes sense and whenever you're presenting that story you are not just presenting your story you're presenting that frame of reference that led you to that yeah. decision or project yeah so you have to make the audience be in that frame of reference that you are right now so they understand your design you're so right and actually with this with this particular with, with this particular rebrand what i did first was i showed them at a very very kind of like literally just on one slide with lots and lots of small pictures, every single sketch that I did mm-hmm. just kind of, and then said, these are the ones that kind of got shortlisted. This is the, how they developed. And this is why I picked this one. And and this is kind of how, how it kind of develops. And this is what it looks like fully realized. And that was a really interesting process to kind of like show people behind mm-hmm. the curtain, because sometimes when you're trying to create something, when you're aiming for simplicity, it seems almost kind of obvious in, in retrospect, which is, I think we talked about this when we we're talking about yeah. Michael Beirut, um, and it's it's really important, like you say, around the communication to demonstrate the thinking behind that uh, and demonstrate that actually, you know, it's not just about. I always struggle with this line of thinking where people think that input um, means so if you put a lot of work into something that makes the output very valuable. That's not really that's not really true because you can spend a lot of time working on something that's rubbish. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just a fact. But people do like to know that effort has been expended in the course of a project. So yeah. why not show yeah, that yeah. to them? Cool. Sounds good. Do you want to move to, to the next tip then? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, three simple words, uh, user input always. Um, so UIA, all vowels. Um, and basically, uh, I want to talk talk to you about a couple mm-hmm. of examples uh, that we've done in the past. And the first one is kind of designing an experience. Uh, and the second one is designing a web page. Um, the web page makes more sense design-wise, so I'll talk about that first. So at 7 Billion Ideas, sorry, this isn't the 7 Billion Ideas show, but obviously it's where I work, so there's a lot of <laughs> examples there, right? Um, we recreated our website from scratch, um, probably about 12 months ago now. Um, and basically it was quite a long project. Um, and it started out as some sketches, which then became wireframes, which then became a website. And actually the input that I was taking throughout that entire time wasn't from users. It was from our team. Um, and it wasn't in terms of, you know, do you like the way this looks, whatever it is, but actually it was input. Like, can you test this, make sure there's no bugs and, oh, this button doesn't work. Okay. I go into Webflow, change it or whatever. And actually 
what I realized towards the end of the, that particular project, it's obviously always ongoing. Any, any company's website is always changing. But uh, what I realized is that I didn't have any, I, I knew it worked, but I didn't know how it mm-hmm. felt to use, if that makes sense. Um, so I did two things. The first one, the first thing was um, install Lucky Orange, which is an analytics package. Uh, and what that allows you to do is record sessions of people using your website. So uh, if I were to go to, say, facebook.com, uh, and they had Lucky Orange installed or something like it, they would be able to see every mouse click, how I scrolled on the page. There is, imagine that you're looking over somebody's shoulder while they're, while they're using your web page. That's kind of the user experience for a Lucky Orange user. So like you kind of, so for me, if Luigi was to come to 7billionideas.com, I'd be able to see that, oh, there's a, there's a hit in Madrid. And then I can see Luigi's journey through our website afterwards. So I can see, okay, he scrolled down, he clicked on this button, then he went back and then he tried to click here because he thought that was a button, mm-hmm. but it actually wasn't. Um, so he's kind of frustrated there and he's scrolling around and then this is the page he left on or whatever. Um, and it's quite interesting sometimes to have like an analytics side to your skill set because then you can do stuff like this. Uh, but then what I did literally for about two weeks was watch every single user journey on our website and then see where people were leaving, what they were, what I guess they were getting frustrated about, things that they thought were buttons and not. And you can see heat maps as well of um, yeah. where people are clicking, where people are scrolling and stuff like that. So you kind of get the aggregated data as well as individual stories. And I found that really helpful, you know, for, for user input. Um, and also, yeah, just to see what people are expecting almost. And also in a big in a bigger sense, you can also see that most people go onto a website, they go straight to about us. So, you yeah. know, that's a place where, you know, you should really expend some time to fix. But that's really helpful in one respect. Um, but actually to go really, really in depth is also very helpful as well, like even more in depth than looking at every single journey. Um, and what we did um, is myself and somebody from my team, somebody, a guy called Cameron, we actually went and did user testing in the real world. And we did this again in quite a hacky, quick way. Uh, we literally just went to, I think it was Manchester Central Library. And we grabbed one person and we said to them, hey, look, can we just borrow 20, 30 minutes of your time? Uh, and could you just you know, use our website for a bit. We're going to give you a task to kind of do on our website. Uh, could you just let us know, could you just do it on this computer? And on that computer, we had um, audio recording. Um, so they'd be able to speak out loud what they're trying to do and what they think and how they expect the site to work uh, and screen recording. So we could see mm-hmm. that in real time as well. And of course you tell them, obviously, it's not just like, you know, it's yeah, not like yeah, of course, spying yeah. on them. <laughs> like you tell them, hey, can you do this? And, and we'll buy your coffee or something uh, in exchange for your time. Um, one, one, uh, one guy came on and, and did that. And uh, then we got another gentleman, an um, older gentleman, um, which was really helpful as well, kind of almost from an accessibility side. And we got more insight from that than I did from the Lucky yeah. Orange exercise. Uh, and we kind of arrived at a list of actions of things to change about the website to make it more accessible. And then afterwards, all of our like you know things like bounce rate and uh, some of the other metrics that we track, you know, went in the right direction because we were able to literally just you know sit next to somebody, watch them use it, and you realize, oh god. Yeah, that does look like a button. Yeah, yeah. We should change. Did you have that a customer profile when you were looking for people, or you were just looking? For- yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, so I mean, like you know, we tried to match them to our um, to what we thought our customer mm-hmm. profile was in the real world. Um, so you know, really, it was like one younger person, twenty five, twenty six. Um, kind of, you know, we're an education company, so imagine that that NQT who's trying to like you know find new, really cool, interesting experiences yeah. for their students. And then also maybe um, somebody a little bit further along in the career who was this who was the second person that we that we looked with, but you know really I'd love to make this like a program um, of user experience testing, and you just kind of 
just keep doing it and try lots of different people try people who are differently abled um particularly around yeah. you know color blindness yeah. and things like that um and also and also and also uh, around people people who use screen readers and things like that. There's stuff yeah. you can do on a website to try and make it accessible for them and be great to test whether that actually works. A good example about color blindness is one of the games that won the Apple Design Awards, something that I would strongly recommend to watch. Yeah. Um, let me just double check. You know, you know what, while, while you are finding that, I'll, I'll also give a shout out to Adobe Color, um, which is a free online tool which allows you to select color palettes um, or at least test them. Um, and um, on our rebrand, I checked all of the colors that we're using to make sure that they were sufficiently differentiated enough so that if you've got different types of color blindness, they wouldn't look like the same color. That's a good resource. Yeah, definitely check it out. Sounds good. I think I will use it. You know, I'm trying to make, currently designing a game with, with a person called Rang, and the game is about time traveling, and one of our goals is to make the game accessible to to many types of players, and one of those things that we are considering is colorblindness and we're trying to use as you might know time traveling has a lot of effects and a lot of like uh, shaders and a lot of particle systems uh, and a lot of effects and we we are using a lot of a lot of those but at the same time which we, we want to keep it simple and we want to make it accessible for everyone so one of the games from the apple design awards in 2019 is called ordia and they they use pretty much what you mentioned um i would say one of the reasons why they won is because they consider people that were colorblind and they use colors. So I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly, but they were in that colorblindness spectrum that no one would um, would be affected by the, the the color selection. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure if it totally works like that. Uh, again, I'm not an expert on this, but I think. Um... What it is about is that certain people, in the same way that we see a lot of, say, for example, uh, red and green, which is one example of color blindness. Like we see red as one color, and then we see green as another color. Yeah. Um, and then there's lots of different shades in between. But for some people, there's much much fewer shades, and it's difficult to tell those two particular colors apart. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So what they did is they picked the shades that were less likely to be seen as yeah. other colors. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. Awesome. So that's that's another hidden tip then from, I guess, that's come up here is that kind of accessible design as well. It's really important as well. Yeah. Well, cool. And uh, now it's seven. <laughs> um, the last one for me is is two combined into one. Okay. Uh, I will start with keep it simple. The reason for that is because some people add elements, at least when it comes to UI design, and that's a problem that I had many times, and also with, with any type of graphic design, a lot of people just add elements because they either look nice or it's because a trend that is happening at the moment or it's just because I saw it somewhere a long time ago and I have been wanting to use this style and I'm using it now. The thing is, always keep in mind that every element in the composition needs to have a purpose and whenever you add something and it's meaningless, it's it might look really good, but it's just degrading the, the, the value of the composition. Completely agree. With that in mind... Always keep the call to action or the focal point of the composition. Uh, always start from the message you want to convey and, and the action you want the user to, to, to do. And then move from there into how can I make the user go from point A to point B the fastest, the quickest, with the less amount of clicks. Or to go to the, the, the website if you're designing a flyer or a poster. Yeah, I think I think you touched on two important things there. Um you touched on two things that were in my list before I got rid of them for the last thing in my list. Mm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I think what you touched on at the beginning is like, I don't want to sound like 
one a know-it-all or two that um or two like this is coming from any kind of you know really really valuable experience but i, I really feel like the most important mm-hmm. thing in design is truth and it's yeah. it's kind of like if you are just kind of emulating a trend or even worse if you're if you're commissioned or told to emulate a trend um then you can really go wrong there do you know what i mean uh, and, I, and yeah. actually i think if you are creating something that you think looks good based on your taste and not based on your taste, which isn't overly clouded by other people's tastes. Um, I think that's, that's fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, and then the second, the second point that you were talking about was, um, it was about the messaging. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The messaging. Yeah. I was going to mention this as well before I got rid of it, but it was kind of like information hierarchy. And actually I, mm-hmm. for me, when certainly when I'm doing print design or web design, the most important thing is to figure out what are the important points here and in general you kind of want them to be bigger um you know for one yeah. one example that i see um is at work um our offices have changed obviously due to coronavirus um and uh, one of those modifications is that in the toilets now there is a um a vacant or a occupied kind of like sign that you change because the idea is that even though there's multiple stalls only one person should be in the toilet or the bathroom at, at one time for social distancing sorry to talk about toilets um, but basically on your way out, there's a sign, uh, there's, sorry, there's a, there's a, a printed sheet of A4, which has been hastily stuck to the wall, you know, to make these modifications quick. And it's, and it says, it shows a picture of the sign in the vacant position, uh, or a diagram of the sign in the vacant position. And it says, attention, make sure you need, uh, and then in, in the biggest font at the very top, and then it says, make sure you change the sign on your exit. And then it's got a picture of the sign being moved in the vacant position. And then it's got a, um. Thank you for your understanding, whatever. You know, you don't need yeah. to write attention to begin with. Yeah. You know, because the attention grabbing part should be the thing that says change signs to vacant on your leave when you leave, for example. But actually a much better mm-hmm. piece of design would have just been to put a lock on the outside door. Because nobody can come in when it's locked anyway. So you don't have that poor user user journey of, oh, yeah. somebody's left it uh, on occupied. And then you realize after waiting around for like ten minutes that nobody's actually in there. And you could have just gone yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could have just gone in. Uh, or even or even more annoying when somebody um leaves it as vacant and it's occupied so um yeah yeah anyway it's just an interesting interesting example yeah 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 exactly um you know what i do when i need to find inspiration is or who does this very well um if you go on google and you type like music uh, 80s posters something like that you will find that um david bowie queen Kiss, all of them, when they design posters for to go on the street, if you see the, the structure of the text, that's kind of like the messaging you want to get. They have, most of the time, they have like whatever message uh, you have at the top, probably like Kiss come, or Queen comes to Barcelona or whatever. Then like date. Uh, so, oh, Kiss come to, comes to Barcelona. I go closer to the poster. Oh, date. Oh, I'm available th- that time. And, and then the next line of messaging is, I can get uh, the tickets, whatever I need to get them. Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that says something about maybe your music taste. But, uh, you know, I think overall that's a, you know, actually a, a lot of that kind of era, I guess. I, d- I don't know. But, yeah. But it, I think this kind of this kind of moves quite nicely into my into into my final point, if that's all right. Yeah. Cool. So uh, my, my, my final point is that design is kind of learned by looking. And mm-hmm. if you can kind of just keep that part of your brain active, which says, which always asks the question, why is this the way it is um, about any kind of, you know, interaction experience or service or, you know, bit of an ad that you see, 
anywhere uh, or you know any any part of your life if you just ask yourself why is it the way it is you're kind of already thinking like a designer because you're 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 kind of thinking about the assumptions that are behind that um, by asking why is it the way it is you also psychologically move your brain into this thing doesn't just exist but this thing was made and put here mm-hmm. um, if you can start kind of just like you know just like literally like why is this the way it is then you can actually develop your own taste um, that was a tip that was given to me um, a few a few years ago and actually you know when you are just kind of like always just looking and watching and thinking uh, you're kind of it's almost like a muscle where you're kind of thinking well actually I would for me personally or objectively or whatever I would change this thing about it or uh, but then I can understand yeah. why they might have done it that way because they're obviously thinking about cost or you know manufacturing yeah. or whatever yeah also designers as again as we mentioned and we have the in previous episodes and also the the prompt of our podcast is designers pretty much design the behavior of our society so if you when you start thinking about why do we behave the way we behave you start to think what decisions x designer made so we behave that way i think i think that's pretty valuable too yeah also adding to your point i would say you said by looking in addition to looking i would say making mistakes i would say that's my bonus thing is I I have been very, very stubborn whenever I design something or whenever I read something online and I try to disagree with whatever I read and not for, not from a place of... There it is. It's that arrogance again. Arrogance, yeah. No, it's, it doesn't come from a place of arrogance. It comes from a place of I want to explore that area even though just because I'm learning, right? And and the, the, the best way for me to learn is to make those mistakes and just explore. Like, let's say a color palette or let's say... A structure in a website or using a tool that maybe X person said it was better than Y. Um, so yeah, so it's explore, learn, and make mistakes. Nice, nice, lovely. Well, um, I think you know, I think we've touched on some really interesting components. That I'd be interested to do this, like maybe in a year's time, uh, and see Sounds and good. see and see what other lessons we have. Well, not even lessons, but you know what I mean. Just lessons that we've learned over 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 the year preceding. It's been a it's been interesting to to kind of talk about this and i've certainly learned something from yeah. you luigi sounds me too me too i would also like to see if whoever is listening just reach out to us and tell us if you have any other extra things that, that you would like to add and we will definitely make a shout out on twitter absolutely yeah and uh, where, where can people yeah. reach out to us on twitter it's designed by us underscore fm uh, for the podcast account and then if you want to reach out to us individually is at is occupied and luigi underscore in toronto and you can find links to all of those in the show notes description. Um, yep. Luigi, this podcast was sponsored by Skillshare. Use code designed by us. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Anyway, yeah. So th- who, who is this podcast brought to us by? The Apple Design Awards. This podcast was brought to you by the Apple Design Awards, um, yeah. of which Luigi will shortly be the recipient. Thanks very much for your time. See you next week.